0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football.
2: Welcome to Bink at Night. Welcome back to Bink at Night. Jay Binkley, Chris DeNocero. One last thing there on Melvin Ingram. You know, bringing him in with Veach. Again, Chris, if you had a checklist for GMs, obviously... In my opinion, when you put the draft, what are you doing in a draft? Well, this year, I mean, there's been some draft picks you scratch your head on, but then you see what Fenton's doing, the former sixth-round pick. Well, Jerry Snead's playing like a first-round pick. He redrafted. It's not fourth-round, first-round. Then the questions came up, what's he doing in the second round? Well, you got Creed Humphrey, the number-one rated center in the National Football League, and you got Nick Bolton, who leads tackles for losses for rookies in the NFL. A great second round in what was the toughest draft in the modern era, seeing as there was no combine this year where you had the straight gold. And we see so many of these fifth, sixth, seventh round receivers. We know how the Chiefs cut Cornell Powell and put him on the practice squad. That was rampant in the NFL. Guys were getting cut like crazy because people didn't have body work on them. Cause some of them been opted out. You didn't know, you didn't see them. What did they do in the meantime when they opted out? Didn't play. They only played the conference games, not the noncom, they opted out of boy. This was a tough draw, man. Because the only thing you had to rely on were pro day numbers. There were a lot of them were fake
3: because they were ran by the school instead of the NFL. And – And I think that one of the things that we need to give Veach credit for is how he's been able to fill some of the issues that the de- defense has had, like the secondary. Secondary was like a big issue. Obviously, we know Spaggs messed up the whole free safety role when he was playing Sorensen out there as a starter. But then Thornhill, guy that Veach drafted, back out there. Thornhill's been great. Just got a, had a pick on uh, in, in this past Sunday's game. Then you also have the, the corners there. Shot Fenton's been playing really, really well. Sneed's been awesome. Hughes made some plays, but he's not like great or anything. Trevorus Ward is having a pretty good year after coming back from his injury issues. The linebacking core, like Hitchens has obviously played well as of late, but Willie Gay in the passing game has been awesome. Bolton in the running game has been awesome. I mean, all of a sudden now. The defense, which has been much maligned, and Veach, who has been much maligned for how he handled the defense this offseason, really the last couple offseasons, starting to become a strength, and Veach is looking really good. And now with the Ingram signing, he's looking really good. Well, it's a trade you make, too. trade. (laughs) trade, Taking a guy
2: like Cerverius Ward, flipping him for or Parker Enger, flipping him for Cerverius Ward, right? He's not even with the Cowboys
3: anymore, Parker Inger. He's on the Lions practice squad. Charverius thought he was going to get cut when he got yeah. traded to the Chiefs. He was actually sad about getting traded. So,
2: would you rather Char- Charverius Ward or a guy in Parker Inger on the Lions practice squad? Yeah. So, we forget about these deals when you're making assumptions on players. So, you check those boxes. Then the contracts. Well, he gave the big money out last year. And you know what? The Chiefs had couch changed to do it, but he still found the way to do it, banking on the fact the salary cap's going up. It's going up to $208 million. Again, you got to be able to do all these things. Now, the next tech challenge for him is, and again, he rebuilt the offensive line. You just don't see guys doing this. You don't go to the Super Bowl and totally revamp a position group like he had with the offensive line. It was a total rebuild, and he's got two of the guys he drafted started on the line with Creed Humphrey and Trey Humphrey, or Trey Smith, and then he'd bring in Joe Tooney, which was a good move as well, and Orlando Brown. We can argue about this one all day long, whether they're going to get in a contract or not, because the Chiefs didn't trust the tackles in the draft, like Liam Eisenberg and all these, Alex Leatherwood. A lot of these guys have been moved to right tackle or guard. They're not starting Sam Cosby. They're not starting left tackles in the NFL. He was stuck. So he was basically doing, once it didn't get Trent Williams, really not a lot of options for the Kansas City Chiefs at left tackle. But to completely rebuild a position group, now's the biggest challenge, though. Because he was gifted as GM with the best tight end, maybe in NFL history, in Travis Kelsey and you're gifted with Tyreek Hill, now the question is, can you fill that in? Can you replace the, that talent? Can you replace those guys moving forward? That's his biggest challenge. Because we know it's not Noah Gray. It's not these guys. They're going to have to hit home runs at the wide receiver because they're going to have to address that once again. And I'm interested to see what he's going to do for the pieces for Mahomes on offense besides the line. Now we got the line out of the way, and he's done linebackers the last couple of years with Bolton and Willie Gage trying to bulk that up. But I'm curious going forward, watching what he's doing. But I mentioned the drop passes, Chris. Um, do you know the Chiefs are fourth in the NFL in drop passes?
3: I, I certainly would have if you would have, if you'd asked me if they were they were top five in drop passes, I would have guessed. Yeah, yes. Fox Sports keeps the stat. <laughs> Dolphins, Panthers, Giants, Chiefs.
2: Uh, NFL research, Patrick Mahomes now has 12 interceptions. Uh, five of those INTs have been drop passes, most for any quarterback this season. Three of those, including uh, Sunday's game, were dropped by Tyree Kill. We saw Kemp do one. We saw Kelsey. Remember in baseball when they call home runs rally killers? Yeah. (laughs) Because it clears the bay, which I've never agreed with. Yeah. But these are rally killers, man. These are drive killers. When you're moving the ball down the field like they were against the Cowboys and the ball bounces off Kelsey and his interception, kills, drives, gives the other team the ball. That's what stops you, man. The drop passes are becoming an issue with the Kansas City Chiefs. And no, it's not a well. They are turning the turnovers some of them, but the ones that aren't turning turnovers, it's killing drives. I feel they should have had another touchdown against the Cowboys. They were driving on that one where Kelsey with the interception with. They did miss a field goal. They missed the extra point. They might have left eleven points off the board. And then you're looking about it not being a 19 to game, nine game. You look at 30 to
3: nine. You're saying, okay, it's more impressive. Yeah, and I think I think one of the issues that I that I have with a lot of people just kind of blanket criticizing the offense, is that they're pointing more towards Patrick Mahomes and not pointing towards his it's 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 like there's no context behind it because like, you know, people point out, oh, he's thrown the most interceptions that he's thrown for, it will tied for the most in his career. And it's like, well he also has a lot of guys who are tipping balls up into the air and then they're getting picked off by defenders. So it's not entirely on him. It's there's probably like what, four or five interceptions that were just tip balls and went to a defender as opposed to him making a bad read and throwing it right to a guy. So I, I don't, I feel like a lot of people are looking at this, these statistics looking at their performance and they're not giving it the full context that it needs. Uh, Someone like Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, those guys are way too damn good to be dropping the ball as much as they are, or fumbling the ball, or tipping it up and letting it get picked as much as they are, and to me, I feel like they're more responsible for the failures of this offense than a guy like Patrick Mahomes, because, or even Andy Reid and in the, in the play calling there, because when you do have those, those as you call them, rally killers it ends up hurting the the offense a hell of a lot more. You remember that Houston game in the divisional round in in, in 2019, and we saw two drives die because of drop passes, because of Kelsey and Demarcus Robinson were dropping passes early in that game. And because the Texans offense was on fire, they were able to get up 24-0 before the Chiefs rallied and won. You cannot drop passes the way that these guys have on crucial downs and expect the offense to be as good as it was. No, you can, and you're starting to see him with Terry Kill right behind
2: Keenan Allen, most drops in the EFC, because he's the one they trust. He's the one that's going to be open. He is the Chiefs' number one wide receiver. And so that, that second down catch for nine yards where you drop it, all of a sudden you get your team back at third and ten now instead of third and one. I mean, that that kills the offense, and I I think it's pretty lazy a lot of times when people just want to harp nationally about Mahomes and what's wrong with him. Well, if you're going to do that, you've got to bring up the drop passes. You've got to show the ones bouncing off hands to interceptions. When you say, oh, it's wrong, he's got 12 picks. Well, be real about it. I mean, there's there's stuff that goes beyond just the stats.
3: Yeah. The, tr- the truth lies behind the stats. Right, and, and a lot of it is that like I said, uh, when it comes to the national aspect, there's a lot of laziness in terms of the the explanation for the struggles or success of teams, like. I feel like people are giving Mac Jones too much credit for the success of the Patriots because oh well look at all these games they've won nine wins this year oh I'll hell he's that. getting
2: credit for handing the
3: ball off well yes yeah, I'm night. saying that's there people are giving him credit even though he threw three passes last night and it, like that's how it goes at the national level there's not a lot of deep diving there's just a lot of hot taking and lazy taking where people ju- would ju- would much rather talk about things in a macro sense than try to break things down and understand or even explain them. And and so I feel like that's what's happening with the Chiefs and the narrative about the offense is that people aren't analyzing the full game film and seeing how this team is performing on a a macro sense. I feel like people right now kind of have the red zone knowledge where it's like if you just watch red zone, you don't get a you don't get the full picture of the story of each of the games. You just see all the exciting plays. I feel like that's how people are, are judging the Chiefs is they're using the red zone knowledge where they only see the highlights and the big plays. But they don't see those key third down drops that in promising drives. They don't see the, the plays where guys run wrong, run, wrong, wrong run the wrong routes or they are, they get hit when the ball is, is on the way and you don't get a penalty called in that situation. Uh, guys aren't seeing the full picture that's happening with the chiefs right now. And I think that's the reason why so many people are wrong about the offense.
2: Here was Andy Reed yesterday, this press conference we will meet the media again tomorrow. So will Patrick Mahomes. This was Andy Reed on Tyree kill having a career high in drops.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, every route's different. So it's, um, uh, you know, the, things have happened on but uh you know just going back to the uh the basics i think is important sometimes these things come in cycles like that where you you, you know the ball sometimes looks big and sometimes it looks small you know so a little bit like batters go through uh in, in baseball so uh, you know you just he's just got you got to refocus it back on uh the fundamentals and and uh and go right back to square one you know, see the tip of the ball, squeeze it, put it in the tuck, and and then do that at mock speed. And with, uh, you know, whatever elements are out there, you got to just you gotta put all that together.
2: And I do believe he'll figure it out. I mean, he's had an amazing transition to being that more than inter- intermediate receiver, but I mean, it's what kills Mahomes. He's making these passes and the drop balls. Cause I don't think there's anybody wasn't watching that game going, damn, man. None of another drop pass <laughs> because it was frustrating. It was frustrating to say the least. Coming up next, though, Good Morning Football. I was checking this out earlier because yesterday Kurt Warner joined them. And it was before the Monday night game, and they had the four uh, leaders in the AFC in their division. And the question was, which team out of the four has the best shot at the number one seed? And we've heard all the Chiefs hate. I was a little bit surprised about this. We'll do that next.
1: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball's partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
2: And welcome back to Bank at Night. Jay Binkley, Chris Inocero. We'll check in with Scott Gobranson on the Raiders since it is Raiders week. Very, very up and down, hard to figure out. Raiders team that sometimes wants to fight and sometimes doesn't. By the way, Chris remember how good. Their defense was playing early on. Like that's the part you you looked at and said, okay, well they are playing a little bit of defense. I mean, I I didn't believe in it, but I mean, certainly a lot of people analytically did. they were for a
3: while there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the pass rush was
2: really good to start. Scoring D's gone down to twenty sixth in the NFL now.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news.
4: Post your free job
0: on linkedin.com recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: And the uh, third down percentage, 20th. 41% third downs they give up. Chiefs are number one in third downs at 50%. And as we said with Ron, Chiefs on third down percentage on defense, 10th in the NFL, 38.6. I get it. Teams go for the Chiefs on fourth down. Here's the thing about it, Chris, because the Chiefs are 25th in the NFL on fourth down, giving up almost 62% of fourth downs, 13 out of 21. With a third down rate like that, sometimes you got to take it with a grain of salt because they'll just go for it on fourth down. Like the Broncos did twice, fourth and one, same drive, that 20-play drive, fourth and one, Fourth and seven, they get it. Fourth and two, the big one, they don't get. Again, eventually, (laughs) you keep going all in, and your cards aren't going to hit. And it's exactly what happened to them. So I'll get to some of the haters. They're still out there. Ryan Clark and Shannon Sharp's not on a bandwagon anymore. Not that you cared. But he was advocating for the Chiefs quite some time. Dan Orlovsky even said nice things about the Chiefs as well. But uh, Kurt Warner. We love having him here as a guest. Always good. Kyle Brandt, you'll hear in here. He, he joins, of course, uh, Cody and Gold on Mondays at 1220 and on Friday at Fesco in the morning at 820. He was part of this as well. But the game, this was yesterday before the Patriots even played the Bills and even brought up the caveat if the Bills win or the Patriots win. But the question was with the four teams that are leading their divisions in the AFC, who has the best chance at the number one seed? Do we finally have believers? Here's Schrager, followed by Kurt Warner, mixed in with a little Kyle Brandt. They give their three opinions.
4: I look at the Chiefs from last night, and I have to say I at least feel encouraged that they're putting things together and cobbling up wins, and they haven't even played their best football. So I'm going to see the Chiefs, the experience, the know-how. Tonight's going to be a really important game overall because Mm -hmm. I think the Bills were the team a lot of people expected to be that lead dog. They haven't really played to that potential. They can right a lot of wrongs tonight, and I think the Patriots are the surprise team. But gosh, the Chiefs, to me, their offense still is at like a 5 out of 10 from what it could be, and they're still right there in the thick of it. What happens if it does click? And maybe it will. I'm still confident it will. I I can't imagine that all the same players and all the same coaches can't figure it out despite all the drops, all the miscues, all the strange decision-making that we've had. Chiefs have won a bunch of games in a row, and their offense hasn't even looked good.
1: If the Pats win tonight, do you still think it's the Chiefs?
4: I still think it's the Chiefs. I still think it's the Chiefs. A rookie quarterback it, it, I, it, it's never done where a rookie quarterback has won a Super Bowl. Like, Mahomes is still that guy mm-hmm. to me in a big spot against New England.
5: And, and I was saying on game day morning yesterday that I, I believe the Patriots might be the most complete team. They can beat you a lot of different ways. They can beat you running the football. They got a great defense. Young quarterbacks playing really, really well. But I always go to the quarterback. When it comes time mm-hmm. to win it all, to be the number one seed, to compete for championships, it's about the quarterback. And when I look at the AFC, Mac Jones, I like him. Do I trust him in the playoffs? No. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, I like Lamar. Do I trust him? No. Ryan Tannehill? No. And so you go down the list and you say to yourself, who do I trust? I trust Patrick Mahomes, even though hasn't looked great, haven't scored a lot of points lately, thrown a lot of those jump ball in inter- it. Okay, game on the line, ball in somebody's hands. Who am I taking in the AFC? I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes because we're showing him spin around and throw a (laughs) negative two-yard pass. (laughs) But we're watching him do it because the special is in there, and I believe they still have the opportunity to capture that special. Defense is playing good. I'm going Chiefs. I'm going to go Chiefs too, but, Kurt, I want to go back to you. When the Mahomes experience started in the Chiefs, it was a lot of people saying, it's like the greatest show on turf. It looks just like those old Rams teams. They scored 22 and 19, and they just haven't had the special. They haven't yeah. had the mojo. Why are they spinning their wheels so much in offense? What do you see? Well, he- here's the thing is it- I talked about this at the beginning of the year. So, go to the Super Bowl last year, they lose a game that they think they had a chance to, to win against the Bucs. Back in 2001, we went to our second Super Bowl. Yep. We were 14 and 2. Greatest show on turf, put up all these points. We came back the next year and went 0 and 6. <laughs> same cast of characters, same guys. Why? Well, I think it's because you start pressing and you start saying, oh, we're going to make up for what we missed last year. We missed an opportunity to, to become a dynasty, to, you know, to win two Super Bowls in a row, and you start pressing a little bit and start trying to be too perfect instead of just going, let the game come to you. And, and that's what I felt with this team. And Patrick, I mean, it's a great example. He never throws interceptions. And this year he's throwing balls. You know, you're like, what are you doing? Huh? You're trying to make all those special plays instead of just letting the game come to you. I think they got to just settle in and play ball. There was all three
2: of them. They all said the Chiefs. You didn't hear the. I'm curious. They did, they did put the caveat in there. Even if the Bills win the night or the Patriots win the night. I wonder how that would have changed had they watched that game. Well, if that this would have been done after that Patriots game last night, how many would have taken them seriously? Because here's the thing I see with the AFC, Chris, it, the, the Patriots and Chiefs. They're actually showing signs on parts of the ball they're getting better. Like the Patriots are getting better, obviously, with the seven straight wins. Chiefs are getting better, especially defensively. Now, maybe not on offense, but defensively they are getting better. The Ravens, they're not getting better. The Bills, not getting better. The Bengals, to me, not getting better. Chargers, okay, they beat the Bengals, but then were hammered by the Broncos. Too much inconsistent. That's the thing you're going to see in the AFC playoffs. It's going to be teams that in one minute, like the Colts, can beat you. In another minute they look real bad. But there's gonna be two teams that are playing consistent football like the Patriots and the Chiefs. Well coached. Chiefs had the better quarterback in Mahomes over Mac Jones. But there's a reason why Belichick and Andy Reid continue to find themselves here. Because they have
3: consistency. I understand why some pe- why people would fall in love with the Patriots mainly because of Bill Belichick. And you have a great coach and like people think about great coaches in the NFL, kind of the way they do in college, where like if you got a great coach and you got a team that's winning, well, that gives them an advantage over most teams. So I understand that. And I I understand that because the Chiefs don't look like the force that they have the last three years during the regular season. A lot of people are kind of like, oh, well, this Chiefs team isn't what they used to be. You know, see uh, Shannon Sharp and others. We had Michael Irvin a few weeks ago jump off the bandwagon before he jumped back on. I understand that. Oh, he jumped back on. I think he did jump back. on. Because I remember him cleaning that yeah. pumpkin out and said oh, the yeah. Chiefs were he done when like, he hey, put that done. fork in them. They're done, but I think he, I think he jumped back on. Yeah. Um, I think it was after the Cowboys. Yeah, won.
2: that's uh, part of the uh, mm-hmm. stick your finger out the window and see which way
0: the
3: wind's blowing. Exactly, immediately and I week. feel like that's how a lot of people are with with this. Is that for for a lot of people, it's just they want to, they want to, they they're so afraid of being wrong that they are just going to go whatever way the wind blows because they want to be right so bad. And that's why so many people, I think, will jump on the Patriots, especially if they get the one seed.
2: Look at trends. Look at who's playing better now. I guess you might have a loss in November, December. But is your team getting better? That's the ultimate question you have to ask the Chiefs don't have these setbacks where they're getting bombed by the Jets or the or the Jags or these yeah. unexplainable losses. When they did lose the Bills, the Bills were a good team at that point. Yeah, We it, thought they were at least. Now they're going the other direction. Uh, Scott Gobranson, who covers the Raiders from 1090 the, in, in uh, San Diego, and he covers them in Las Vegas, Silver and Black today. We'll talk to him about the Raiders next.
1: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio.
2: Welcome back to Big At Night Time. Let's start talking about, well, the Raiders game this weekend. It's rivalry after rivalry with the Broncos and now the Raiders. Talk to Scott Gobranson. He's a host at SNB tonight. Also, 1090, the mighty 1090 in San Diego, and also 98 the fan in Las Vegas, silver and black tonight as well. Scott, good evening. Hey, Jay,
6: how you doing today, buddy? Good to be on with you again.
2: Hey, I, I'm curious from your, your perspective, Scott. Um, when you look at the division, and and before the season started, I've talked about how the Broncos roster, I liked it better than the Chargers, despite Justin Herbert because of that talent, that wide receiver, that he's re-upped uh, Patrick and Cortland Sutton in the, in the last two weeks or so to go along with Judy. When you look at what the Broncos are doing, again, coaching quarterbacks could be a major problem for them. They need to switch both of these this year. Chargers, I don't know. They're good one week and bad the next and then there's the Raiders. And I initially liked the direction they were going with Mike Mayock uh, drafting. His first draft was great last year. Not so much. And I'm, there's so much in flux with the Raiders right now. If I was to ask you who's the second best uh, roster in this division, what would you say?
6: Well, I'll tell you. The, the thing about it is that the Raiders are are consistently inconsistent, right? So, they they, they uh, look, you look at the defense this year, for example. The Raiders went out. They had a huge problem with defense the last two seasons and the last three seasons really under under John Gruden. So they went out and they addressed it. They got a new defensive corner. They got Gus Bradley. Then they went out and got a bunch of Gus Bradley guys. Look, Denzel Perryman, who they signed at linebacker. He's a leading tackler in the NFL. They improved. They became a middle-of-the-road defense, which was what they thought they needed with that offense, which was this high-powered offense that looked like it had finally hit its stride Josh Jacobs, and, of course, Henry Ruggs, the wide receiver, they draft out of Alabama, Brian Edwards, uh, and, and, and they had those guys. And, and they started the season off well, and it looked like, okay, finally this team is reaching the potential that a lot of people thought it could. And then, of course, everything unravels with the John Gruden situation then the Henry Ruggs tragedy, uh, and this team just hasn't responded. And I have to say, too, I have not been in Raider Nation the, the, the most debated topic over the last four and a half years that I've covered this team, Jay, has been Derek Carr's quarterback. They either love him or they hate him. There is no in-between. Now, as somebody who does a radio show on the Raiders and reports on them, I've always been very objective about Derek Carr, said he's a good quarterback, he's a top-15 quarterback, maybe a top-10 quarterback at times. But is he an elite quarterback? Is he the kind of guy who takes the entire team on his shoulders and and brings them to victory. And I think after eight years, we've seen what Derek Carr is. He is not that guy. He's not, the, he's not a Pat Mahomes. He's not an Aaron Rodgers. So this team now finds itself not in teardown mode. They have pieces there, but what they lack is leadership at quarterback. They lack leadership at head coach because they have an interim head coach. And frankly, I like Mike Mayock, too, but him and John Gruden did not do a very good job of drafting over the last three seasons, and the Raiders are paying for it now.
2: Yeah, and the one thing about this team, too, is, I mean, look at the the Thanksgiving game. They had, what, 39 million viewers people were watching because people wonder why the Cowboys are on TV all the time. Obviously, they're on every Thanksgiving because people watch. But I think that – and there was 28 penalties in this game as well. It was a rough game. But the Raiders, you know, fought. It was a great game by the Raiders. It was like give them a ton of respect because the Chiefs had just played the Cowboys but it's in Kansas City. This is Thanksgiving Day in, in, in the spotlight. And the Raiders still got the upper hand. And then they followed up with a loss to Washington. It's like I can't figure the Raiders out. Obviously, they had that hot start. Then they went in the tank. But they did beat the Broncos by 10. In Denver, followed up by a win against the Eagles. And the Eagles have have beaten some teams this year. I mean, clearly the Chiefs beat them, but they they have played serviceable football. I just like, and I know the you lost Arnett and in Rugs. Obviously, the two first round picks from that 2020 class. You lose Gruden, but like, where are they sitting now with all the inconsistencies they have? I mean, what are you expecting from from Las Vegas in Kansas City?
6: Yeah, it's a good question. A lot of fans, uh, Raider fans in particular, are saying, "Okay, well, we can make everything right by going into Kansas City and beating the Chiefs. We did it last year." Well, listen, that that was a different time. Now the Chiefs have had their own struggles, as you as you've talked about here on six ten uh, a lot. Uh, but at the same time, these two teams to me are trending differently. You have the Chiefs, who, yes, they have still have their offensive issues. They're, they're going in the right direction. They're trending in the positive. The Raiders are not. The Raiders, are at best, are treading water. Like you said, you go from getting blown out, blown out by Cincinnati at home, to then going on the road on Thanksgiving and beating the Cowboys and putting up 36 points, to then coming home and, and scoring just 15 points, all right? In their last game against Washington, now, I'm not saying Washington's a terrible team, but Washington is a middle of the road at best team who started two and six, and the Raiders started five and two. So it's hard, it's hard it really is hard to be optimistic. Uh, and I think a lot of fans have reached the point where, yeah, if they could beat the Chiefs, I think that would make things a little better. But listen, this team is not going to make the playoffs. I'll I'll, I'll need a hat if they make the playoffs. They're just not going to do it. I, I don't see any consistency. There's nothing they've shown us over the last several weeks. Even the Dallas win, Jay, I will tell you, the Dallas win, despite some of what the great stuff they did on offense, it's still the mistakes, the things that they were doing wrong, and the things that have haunted them all season long, being terrible on third down. And even though they scored 36 points, they had trouble in the red zone again. They're, they're near the bottom of the league in both those categories. And when you do that, you don't make the playoffs. And if you do somehow get in the playoffs, you don't get very far because if you can't convert on third down with an eight year vet at quarterback uh, and, and you go two of eight against the league's worst third down defense, which is Washington, how are you going to do that against Kansas City?
2: It's the one thing too, Scott. I, I've talked to you. We talked before each and every uh, Raiders game with the chiefs twice a year. And, and Scott, when you look at the Chiefs in this defense, the last four games, less than 10 points a game, and I know that every time we, we talk about the Chiefs Raiders lately, we've been talking about Patrick Mahomes and how they're going to stop him, mm-hmm. and obviously Mahomes, a five touchdown game against the Raiders a couple weeks ago, but has the Chiefs defense started to uh, make its way as far as Raiders discussion? Like, you know, we've been worried about Patrick Mahomes, but now... We've got to figure out a way to score against this defense because it's all been about stopping Mahomes, and I think teams are kind of losing their game plan a little bit because of how well the Chiefs' defense is playing.
6: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, listen, that that defense has really picked it up, and and you see the statistics right uh, with with Spags' defense is every single year it gets better as the year goes on. It's been a very consistent pattern for him as a coach, and it's been a consistent pattern for him since he's joined the Chiefs. So so they're trending in the right direction, and I think that's that's just what you want to see in the NFL. When you get into November, December, you kind of know who teams are. They start to solidify their identity, and the Chiefs kind of lost it there for a little bit, right? Everybody was getting worried about it nationally. A lot of people were thought, thinking that they weren't going to do what they usually do but now they've turned it on because of the coach, because of the quarterback, and because of that defense, the Raiders still don't have an identity on offense. Their defense has an identity, uh, but, you know, your defense, when you hold a team to 17 points in the NFL in this, in this pass-happy Spread off into generation. You should win games when you hold a team with 17 points. You should. Uh, but the Raiders have not been able to do that. And I think that they're going to struggle against that Chiefs defense, especially on the road, especially in the cold weather. Uh,
4: when- we really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.
5: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crownland Port, Chicago, Illinois.
6: All know Derek Carr's record in the cold weather is not good. So, uh, you know, I'm, anything can happen. Uh, it's an AFC West rivalry, and sometimes those games will surprise you. But boy, the, the, the Raiders have a huge, huge task, not only stopping the Chiefs on offense, but of course, getting something going on offense against the Chiefs' defense.
2: It might be a break uh, for the Raiders on Sunday. It's going to be 56, Scott. So,
6: you're well above that freezing
2: <laughs> mark. So, that. It's one day to sixty one. The next day I mean, it's been unseasonable. The day was cold, but it's been unseasonably warm. I want to ask you this, Scott. Uh, Melvin Ingram's made a huge difference uh, with the Chiefs since they made that move with the Steelers. And they- Ingram was one of the visits they had in the offseason before he signed uh, with the Steelers back in July twentieth. Gus Bradley was his defensive coordinator with the Chargers. I was kind of surprised that Ingram did not end up in Las Vegas. Uh, with Gus Bradley. Now, I don't know about the relationship or whatever, if that was, you know, never going to happen. But I am a bit surprised he didn't bring him with him to Las Vegas.
6: You know, uh, we all were surprised by that, frankly. uh, I mean, you look at what he was able to do with Gus Bradley, them knowing each other well. And then when you look at the guys Gus Bradley brought in, former Chargers, uh, like Perryman, and like Casey Hayward Jr., both those players for the Raiders have been phenomenal because they knew the system. They could come in. They were good, they were good with the coach, and, and, and so was he. And so I mean, the fact that they didn't sign Ingram, I think because they had such confidence in Max Crosby, who's not let them down, although he's had trouble getting sacks recently. He's got lots of pressures, but he doesn't have a lot of sacks. Um, and then, of course, you had Yannick Ngakwe on the other side, who's done really, really well as well. But as you know, in the NFL, depth is all about it. I think the Raiders made a mistake. In not trying to move on Ingram, I don't know what the issue was. Um, you know, they had Cleveland Furl, who who has not been what they thought he would be, the number four overall pick now, from the draft. Another miss uh, by John Gruden and Mike Mayock and so I think they were thinking that they were going to get some more out of these guys that didn't end up helping them, uh, but they have had help on the interior of the defense, and, and even though I was surprised by the Ingram move, uh, when I saw him go to the Chiefs, I was like, boy, I bet you they <laughs> they signed him now because yeah. uh, now they're going to have to face him in, in what is a huge game for the yeah. Raiders if they want any chance, even statistically, uh, to be in the playoff race. And
2: I'm shocked the Steelers did business with the Chiefs, to be honest with you. I just, that that yeah. was shocking to me. Final question for you, Scott. Uh, the Raiders in Vegas. Um, last year, no fans there. This year, there is. Um, I always, like, I still consider the Ra- Raiders the biggest rival because of, you know, what happened in Oakland. And, you know, so the diehard Raider fans, I know they went and spent some times in L.A., which they like the Raiders too. But we see Raiders fans, you know, on Twitter and everything else with the videos about all the people selling all their tickets to the opposing fans and everything. Is it – is it is the fan base built up for that team yet, or the Raiders need to show them more before they – I know how, how much the Golden Knights and how those fans just, you know, grabbed on that team. I know the A's are looking to go uh, move to Las Vegas, is it now? But have the fans all come on board yet? Can we have a rivalry back again with this team?
6: <laughs> yeah, listen, I think it's going to take time. You know, I think a lot of folks – Um, question, well, you're going to get a lot of visiting fans. And a lot of the fans, the existing fan base of the Raiders, especially those from the Bay Area, are shocked by all this. But those of us who lived in Las Vegas and understand that it's a destination, no offense to the great hardworking people of Oakland, California, but nobody wanted to go to Oakland to see a football game. What are we going to do in Oakland, okay? Uh, if you've ever been to the Oakland Coliseum, you'll understand it had a great culture outside with the with the, the tailgating and all that. But nobody was going to travel from Buffalo to New York to Oakland. It was not something people were going to do. Now, if you tell me, if a buddy calls me and says, hey, and I'm a Bills fan or I'm a Chiefs fan, and they say, hey, dude, let's go to Vegas for the weekend and we can see the Chiefs play the Raiders, of course I'm going to go. So it's a destination, so it's different. The selling of tickets and the, and the visiting fans, I, that, that has definitely happened this year, but I think that will wane over time. The Raiders are establishing themselves in the market. They have a lot of fans from the outside. They have a lot of fans in Las Vegas. But remember, last year you could not go to the stadium. You could not be in the stadium as a, a Raider fan because Mark Davis decided that they weren't going to allow fans, even though in the state of Nevada he could have. And so I think they're catching up. You know, they're, they're having to do that. They're having to market. They're having to do um, the work that some franchises have to do. And then you top, uh, top that this year with all the turmoil they've had off the field. Um, you know, it's not surprising to me that that's gone that way. You know, every, every team, if you win, you will get better fan base, okay, and you will get people to come out. And I think you'll see less and less Raider fans selling their tickets and all this stuff. You know, the misnomer is all the casinos bought the tickets. That's, not, that's completely false. I know a lot of Raider fans who call into our show who tell me through direct message, Jay, that, hey, listen, yeah, I sell a couple games a year because you know what? My tickets were damn expensive, okay? And they're high-priced, so too, to so they're those. making money. Yeah. I have to sell those tickets so that I can pay for the rest of my year. Yeah. And, you know, some Raider fans are like, well, you, can, you shouldn't sell your tickets to the opposing fans. Hey, man, uh, as a pure capitalist, I'm okay with it. It is what it is. <laughs> me, too. I think over time you'll start to see that gel.
2: Yeah, we'll see what happens. And it's, uh, it's yeah, it's the best destination. I think it's the number one uh, for people in Kansas City. Obviously, Nashville's a, a fun trip, but I think Vegas yeah. is the place to go. I, I love going to Las Vegas. It's one of my favorite cities in this country, if not my favorite city to travel to. So, Scott, always good talking to you, my friend. We'll talk to you uh, Thursday on your show.
6: You absolutely will. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Thanks.
2: All right, take care. Scott Gobranson right there. Said some interesting things about Vegas. Did you know another team is probably going to be in Las Vegas very soon, Chris? Is there? I'll update you on that next.
1: This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
2: Welcome back to Big at Night, Jay Binkley, Chris Sinocero. Talk to Scott Branson. who covers the Raiders. One of the things that uh, I've been looking at this—the culture of Vegas and with the teams—and you know, once the Golden Knights can kind of open the door for teams to be in Vegas, which is, I think, a great place for them to be, then come the Raiders and obviously, <laughs> great stadium and Allegiant, but uh, you know, even UNLV—they roll the turf in for them, pull it out for the grass for him. Arrest Markazi puts out um, the Oakland on Twitter. The Oakland Athletics have made an offer on the—they've made an offer, right? So they made an offer. Why, why are you doing this? Why are you making an offer if you don't plan on doing anything, right? Why are you making an offer? They made an offer on a 35-acre site of the Vegas Strip where the Tropicana currently sits. According to CNBC, Ace President Dave Caval has made at least six trips to Las Vegas looking at over 20 potential sites for a no $1 billion stadium. You've heard the flirtation, right, with the A's going to Vegas yeah. Because they can't get a stadium. They flirted with a
3: lot of cities. They were flirting with like San Jose, I think too. But it's been hardcore on Vegas. Yeah. I mean, it's been hardcore. When you make an offer on a site. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're, yeah. you're serious about it. And they're
2: serious about this. And you know, I think the baseball's kind of behind them too. If they're not, they won't give them a stadium, right? Yeah. Oco Coliseum sucks. Well, the Raiders moved. I mean, this sounds disgusting. And I know you're not eating. Well, hopefully you're not eating dinner now. It's past that time. <laughs> Yeah. But the sewer would back and up. sewage. And <laughs> cur- There'd be turds <laughs> floating in the dugout, right? I'm not kidding. It was real. This is real. I mean, it's that bad. It was bad. But I mean, Oakland. Don't I mean? I know we laugh at St. Louis for losing the Rams all the time and losing professional football, like the Cardinals, Rams. They just keep losing professional football. Imagine teams in St. Louis with the Warriors. Didn't they moved right outside of San Francisco right Rams. now? Yeah. So I mean. You talk about your community and your identity. You're losing all these pro teams. and I get nobody goes to the A's games unless they're they're winning and a lot of people show up. But Las Vegas is a lot more attractive for Major League City. I mean, visiting players would love spending three and four-game series in Vegas. You kidding me? All the stuff to do in Las Vegas, teams would love it. And, well, the players would probably love it too, playing in Las Vegas. But where there's smoke, there's fire. And, again, you don't make an offer – on the Tropicana, which I keep hearing the Tropicana Fernase Stadium. I mean, this is
3: Las Vegas revival, man. It's amazing how quickly things change. Cause you remember like 20 years ago when people talk about some team moving to Las Vegas, there was always these concerns about game fixing because all the gambling that happened. I always there. thought the
2: NBA was gonna be the first one to do it, but I now, did they, too, they, they, it the the summer camp the leagues. Yeah, I thought the NBA
3: was the first to do it. Yeah.
2: It was like they're going to be the last to do it.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, and and it's going to be tough for them to do it now because you already have thirty teams in the league, and uh, a lot of teams have to dip into that that pool of money that they have just to turn a profit. So yeah, it, it is probably going to be tough for them to get a, a team uh, in Vegas for the NBA, but it isn't shocking that you've seen you're looking at a team like the A's moving because they've been repeatedly denied opportunities to get funding for a new stadium there. And look, the Raiders have moved from Oakland. What is it? Three times now. This is now three times they've moved from Oakland because yeah, they moved to Vegas, They moved, they like, moved excuse to me, LA, LA like twice. I think. And then was. they, then they ended up moving to Vegas. Yeah. So like they, they've left that place numerous times and, they don't really seem to care so much about trying to keep teams there in Oakland. And so now it just looks like it makes the most sense for all the teams. Now it's amazing how in, you know, maybe a decade or so, you could see three professional teams, three major professional teams leave the city of Oakland all because they don't. And I understand like the funding aspect of these stadiums can kind of be unfair for cities, but still you lose three major professional teams in a man in a span of about a decade. That's a really bad look for your city. And it, it kind of sucks for the residents of Oakland. Well, the funny thing is I, I mentioned to Scott, like there was a guy that put out a video, right?
2: It was a Raiders season ticket holder. And he went like all the chiefs fans behind him at that. When the chiefs came out there, cause everybody's selling their tickets. It's the highest priced ticket in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, people want to go to the games and you know, people bought the personal seat license and everything else. And, a lot of times, their tickets were bought from people all around the country. You oh, know, yeah. They bought, there was a lot of Chiefs fans that bought them, too, because, you know, sell the rest of them. It's easy to do. Buy tickets for another market, just put them up, especially a hot ticket like that in Las Vegas, and you can make their money. This is the problem, I thought, originally with the Golden Knights, is because there's so many transplants to Vegas. Vegas is like Nashville to be like. Nobody's actually from there, right? They're all from somewhere else. Like, you go around Nashville, and it's, you know, a waiter, waiters waitress from Kansas city or St. Louis that came there following a country music dream to do. And, you know, it's the hot place to be now. So people that are, you know, some are from Nashville. Most people are from out of town. Like if you drive around Kansas city, most people that are here are from here, you know, originally from
3: here. Yeah. From here or from like an, a, a small town near here. It, maybe it was some company within, they moved in or whatever yeah, it, yeah.
2: It, it happens. It definitely does. But with Vegas in the Raiders now, Will it change? Will people want to go to the games more? Will more Raiders fans actually buy the tickets when the Raiders actually give them a product on the field? Maybe. I think it hurt
3: them last year moving into a new place and not being able to have fans. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it probably took away some of the momentum. But a a lot of people, I I think one of the things a lot of people don't understand is that, as you stated before, tons of transplants in Las Vegas. A lot of people moving to Vegas from other places, especially if you're from a colder climate than is the deserts of Nevada. I think that there's a lot of people there that aren't really Raiders fans, but are just like, Hey, I know uh, I'll go to whatever games. My favorite team is if I'm, it's like the gold Knights, They'll grab onto them. Exactly. And they'll or- put on the gold Knights. you seven lifelong, but I haven't been a fan since day one. Yeah, the- exactly. <laughs> and so like for them, it's like if my favorite team or if like a great team comes in and plays the Raiders, I'll watch. Otherwise, I'll just sell it to fans, and I don't really care who it is. If it's a fan here or a fan from somewhere else, I'll make money anyways. I just think that there's a... Because it's it's like L.A. There's so many transplants in L.A. that it's really hard to have fans who are loyal to the teams there. Yeah, because not having a team... Everybody had to find a different one.
2: Exactly. That's why there's Raiders, that's why there's Chiefs bars out there. Yeah. And fans had to find something else to do.
3: Or there are Another fans. Another team who, to root for. Or there are fans who were just fans of those teams before they moved to L.A. And so they carried that fandom over and then they get to watch their favorite team live. That's why personal. the Rams, I think people
2: like the Rams out in L.A. a lot more than the Chargers. I've always liked yeah, the Chargers because they played there. To rent that, uh, that, that room above your mom's garage. Yeah. Nobody wants the Chargers. Like <laughs> nobody. Them going to LA, I think was stupid. It was a
3: bad idea. Regardless. They play
2: 17 road games a year. And Scott had said what what's to do in Oakland? Casper's Hot Dogs. I, wasn't it the place Ned went to? Like Ned would take the Royals a lot of times to Casper's Hot Dogs in Oakland. Like, I, that was I, one place I to recall. visit if you go to Oakland. I, I,
3: I don't recall that.
2: And they I do have know. Casper's, yeah. It's 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 there. It's uh, I'm not a big hot dog fan, so.
3: Well, maybe you would if you went to the right place. I I mean, I've had good hot dogs in the past. I just don't like them anymore. I just You don't like hot dogs? No. Well, don't ever visit a hot dog factory where they're made. Oh, don't worry about it. I'm good. Because <laughs> then you may never have, have another one. That's oh, what my dad did when he was a even, kid. I, I mean, I think I've had two this year, so I think I'm good.
2: Coming up next, though, we'll look at the uh, college football. Switch the, switch gears to college football and everything crazy happening around us. The college awards uh, tomorrow night and the Heisman Trophy on Saturday. And the uh, coaching search has finally stopped at this point. We still have coordinators quitting and leaving and transferring and going everywhere else. But talk about the world of college football next.
1: This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.